Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. Today's show, we've got a little bit of news before we get into some Big Ten and college football predictions. This is really the last episode we have before previewing Penn State, so it's time to get these predictions out of the way because our next episode will be fully focused, of course, on the opener with the Nittany Lions. We'll hopefully have someone from Penn State to hop on and talk about them, our regular game preview that we've done for the last couple of years. So time to get these uh, Big Ten and some overall college football predictions out of the way because the season has already started with uh, week zero, five games uh, this past Saturday. Uh, of course, the headline one being Nebraska and Illinois, which we'll talk about a little bit here at the start. But overall, should be a fun show to get these predictions out of the way, and we'll uh, we'll see how they stand come year's end. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're doing this a little early on uh, Sunday morning. Um, be able to. I wasn't able to record Monday afternoon, so if we sound a little sleepy in our voice, we're we're waking up and we're ready to talk some uh, some Big Ten football and some college football. Before we get into that, let's talk about the news. I think the big thing from this past weekend was the uh, opener of the college football and Big Ten season with Nebraska and Illinois. Um, what a game. I mean, you couldn't have asked for college football to start um, in a more kind of weird, weird and wacky way with turnovers and special teams blunders and the whole nine yards. And, of course, at the end, Nebraska falls to Illinois. Really, I think Illinois – We've touched on them a little bit, and we'll probably touch on them more in this episode. They look like a team that we both kind of were higher on, expecting to be better. I think they looked pretty good. I think Brett Bielema um, you know, had a really good game plan for this game and, and took advantage of some Nebraska mistakes. So all of a sudden you, you see the Illini uh, taking the first step up in the uh, in the Big Ten West and, and getting a, a huge win you know, early in the season. Yeah, it's definitely big for their program in general, just given – the transition from Lovey to Bielema, but um, man, Nebraska just continues to trip on their own feet, and it was Scott Frost saying that it was the same old movie is um, an <laughs> understatement. The same old movie, and he's got he's the guy that's you know got the key, got the pen to, to kind he's of the producer, man. Trip. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, um, you know, how many times are we going to keep doing this? But I know, I know for. For Wisconsin fans and, and fans outside of Nebraska and the Big Ten, it was a it was, it was something that you could certainly sit there and chuckle about because I know every year the expectations for Nebraska come in, but 
And I and I think at this point those those expectations just come on name alone because we've seen this now for for four straight years where it's just this team is is not you know, disciplined, not not super talented. Adrian Martinez is a guy that came in as a freshman and lit the world on fire and has not gotten um, a lick better, and, and that's the result. So you see Illinois go from um, you know Lovey Smith and having absolutely no defense and, and the offensive identity always struggling to one switch and, and being a much better team. And granted, they've got a, a lot of experience on their team, but still, it was a lot of Nebraska mistakes, which uh, is, is really, yeah, like, like Scott Frost said, the same old song and dance that we've seen uh, for years now, but entertaining for our purposes. Up next for news, we've got the Wisconsin football depth chart officially released. Not a ton of surprises, but I think one big one, um, and that's probably where we should go ahead and start. Um, on the depth chart, Ches Malusi is currently listed as the starter over Jalen Berger, so I would think if, if any stand out, um, maybe the other one being Joe Tipman at center. I think we both, we've talked about that quite a bit already. That one doesn't really seem like a surprise to me based on what we've seen at camp. But Ches Malusi being listed as running back one is certainly uh, a big surprise that I don't think either of us saw coming. So what do you take away from the initial depth chart with that me being probably the biggest surprise? Yeah, I think that that has to be the biggest surprise when you look at the fact that I, I thought it would be an or or it would mm-hmm. be Berger slightly getting the edge. I really, I thought it was going to be an or. Like, I didn't think it would be, it didn't matter who was going to be the first guy up, that it was going to be an or. But I think it's pretty telling that Malusi came in as a transfer just this summer and immediately was inserted as the, the starter. Um, and in, 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 in practices, it did look like Malusi was getting a lot of run. Berger has been um, limited a couple practices here or there, so maybe that plays a role. But but I just think that Malusi is going to see the field a ton, it seems like. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I would have thought the same thing with uh, maybe an or designation. And it's likely, you know, this could be an additional little bit of, of gamesmanship. Maybe they're putting out this saying, oh, Ches Malusi is going to be this guy. There's not as much tape maybe out there for Penn State to, to read up on him and, and study. Who knows? Both of these guys are going to get plenty of run. But to see it listed that way, I, I think was certainly surprising and telling. Thankfully, I, I think it's a good sign for when you, for Badger fans to see that Ches Malusi has taken enough strides to come into, uh, of course, a new system from Clemson, transfer over, pick it up fast enough to be able to be not only a guy that's in the rotation as a, as a set piece, but now all of a sudden listed as the starter. So I think while maybe it's a little head-scratching, it's certainly um, important, and, and I think only a good sign that you can take from is that, uh, that he's really progressed maybe faster than, than some people expected. Yeah, and and I really do think that this is this is a situation where they're probably looking at it and seeing Ches Malusi as a guy that can help him out in all three facets of the game. Jalen Berger, we know what he brings to the table. We saw some some nice things from him last year. Ches Malusi is more of a mystery at this point. We've seen practices, but not every one of those practices is fully padded and full tackle. So. I'm sure the staff has seen things from him that they've really liked, and there's a reason that he is your RB1 heading into the Penn State game. And I think that should be cause for optimism, at least in my eyes, because you saw Jalen Berger do some really good things last year, and if Malusi is ahead of him, that probably means that your running game could be even improved, which I think this team desperately needs after last year. Um, and, and hopefully a guy like Joe Tittman, who who you know has shown that he won out that center job officially now um, over Caden Lyles, which I think neither of us saw coming um, going into the 
the uh, fall camp here. I, I know we had mentioned him as a guy to watch and as a guy who could shake up the depth chart. I thought it would be at left guard. I did not see it happening at center. But I, I think that that's another big one. And Colin Larch, a field goal kicker, um, I think if Jack Van Dyke doesn't get limited from an injury, I think maybe Larch is um, the backup there. But but really, I think Larch finished strong when we got the chance to see him over, over camp here. So Good for him, a fifth-year kid who is able to win out. Um, as another fifth-year kid in in Caden Wiles, you know, lost his spot to a guy like Joe Tipman. Yeah, that one was. It definitely seemed like there was some tight competition there, but it seemed like Joe Tipman has has won that job and obviously now listed as the starting center is is good to see for him. I mean, there's there's clearly um, some battles that were at these positions, and that was one that people were keeping an eye on. And it sounds like uh, Joe Tipman took away that uh, position from uh, Cade Lyles is a really good player too. So it's not a knock on him. I think it just shows that Joe Tipman really progressed and is a strong option there. Any other surprise? I know left guard Josh Sheltzner and Cormac Sampson and Joe Tipman was maybe a little bit of a battle to watch. Um, of course, the kicking position, the third cornerback position, we've all, you know, we see that listed, of course, with Hicks and Williams, Smith, and, and Ingram, so no real surprises there. Anything else really stick out to you from the initial depth chart? Um, I, let, I noticed CJ Getz, Spencer Lytle, we had both said that that was probably going to be the second group at outside linebacker. Sure enough, those, those are the guys, so it makes you seem like those are your top four, probably going to get the most run, and also just like... Format-wise, usually Wisconsin goes just too deep at cornerback. Like they go um, cor- too deep at cornerback at one spot, too deep at cornerback at the other spot. I think it's telling that they also list Dante Burton and Samar Melvin. I would guess that those mm-hmm. are your top six at corner, and those are the guys that you can expect to rotate in, rotate in frequently. Um, beyond that, really, it's it's more of the same. Jack Eschenbach as your standalone tight end two um, ahead of a guy like Rucci. I think is also telling about the progress that he's made specifically in adding weight um, and improving as a blocker as well. There you go. Plenty of interesting stuff from the Wisconsin football depth chart. Of course, we'll talk about um, that even more and, and preview that a little bit more as we get into our next episode with Penn State. All right, our next piece of news. Why don't we go into, before we um, move into the Big Ten predictions, there is some recruiting updates for this weekend and with the Second episode of the week being pretty centrally focused on the game in Penn State. Why don't we touch on that now? Um, some upcoming visits, some some players on campus that way. What do you got for um, the recruiting weekend? Because I know this will be a, a first chance for some of these guys to, and a big official visit to get on campus and, and to a game, which will be a welcome sight after, of course, last year not being able to have recruits uh, on for official game day visits. Yeah, I think it's going to absolutely be huge. This is... You're looking at kids 2022. They've got an official visitor in Anthony Brown out of Tennessee. He's a kid who the Badgers have been in for. A lot of people thought he was going to make a decision earlier in June or July. He backed it up because he wanted to go to Madison for a visit. Um, And then he's making a commitment a few days later. So I guess a little over a week later. But I think the Badgers have a really good chance to shake up his recruitment with a really good visit. He's an athlete that I think – you look at, he could fit in at safety, cornerback, wide receiver. I mean, I think that versatility in a small class would be really helpful. Uh, And then they've got some of their heavy hitters from 2022, the in-state kids all on campus, which I think gives you a a shot to um, close it down, close down some of their recruitments, which would be exciting. And then just a whole host of 23 and 24 um, visitors that are, are, you know, bound to have their first taste of what Madison really looks like 
for a game day. Um, and I think that's a really important opportunity for the Badgers to possibly capitalize on and kind of set the tone in some of their recruitments um, and have some other under-the-radar in-state kids come on campus so you can see them in person and get things set up um, moving forward. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a verbal or two out of this weekend. We'll see, though. I, I think that would be uh, – yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all either. I think if you get these, some of these guys on campus and – the environment for what Madison is going to be this upcoming Saturday is going to be unbelievable. And you're looking at, you know, of course, an early kickoff, but I think it's not really going to matter too much. The, the weather should be beautiful, and it's going to be the, the first time fans are back at Camp Randall for what feels like forever. So the environment for some of these guys to get their first taste of that Madison game day experience is going to be probably probably at some of the highest levels you'll, you'll ever see. So I think it'll hopefully be um, something that, opens a lot of these guys' eyes open to what uh, Madison has to offer, and, and hopefully, in turn, they can hopefully shut, shut down some commitments and or shut down some recruitments and, and pick up some of those verbal commitments. I know there's some names that, of course, we're going to be keeping an eye on, and, and certainly the game itself will take central focus, but I think this is a huge um, opening weekend for recruitment as well to try and nail some of these commitments down. Yes, sir. All right, should we get into some of our Big Ten talk? Let's do it. It's it's finally here. I, I was I, when I was writing up the outline and, and thinking about this upcoming week. It's like, man, it is so nice that we're talking a to open the show uh, or football recap. Of course, not being the Badgers, but that'll be here soon. And now we've got predictions, and then you know now it's after that. It's it's a Penn State game preview, so that'll be a, a lot of fun. So it's nice to finally have football back. So. Um, we'll go through both divisions here first, kind of give it our, our overall thoughts and, and breakdown. Why don't we start out east, because that might be a little bit shorter of a conversation than, of course, the west division. It's it's a division run by Ohio State. We all know that, and, of course, they uh, are a team that is replacing a lot, but they generally reload with, uh, of course, they'll have a new quarterback and C.J. Stroud, some other pieces that they'll have to replace, but overall they look like the cream of the crop once again in the east, so... What are your just kind of overall thoughts and, and breakdown of that East division overall? Yeah, I think once again, you look at the firepower that Ohio State has on offense, and I think they have to be the favorites, um, especially in the East, if not just in general, the Big Ten. But I, you still have a pesky Indiana team with hopefully Penix Jr. back fully healthy. Um, I know that he's been kind of working his way back from that injury, but Penn State, I think, is going to be tough as well. They're they're ranked for a reason. They've, they've been stacking some really solid recruiting classes, get a lot of players back. Um, you know, they really had a similar uh, fate as the Badgers last year in terms of injuries. So I think those three are going to be the top three. Um, Ohio State, number one, and then, I mean, pick your order between Indiana and Penn State. But then I'm interested to see what Rutgers and Michigan State can specifically do. For that group, just I think both of those teams could have better years than predicted. I thought Michigan State actually had a better year last year than than many thought. Um, Michigan, I'm not super high on. Maryland, I don't know what to expect out of those guys. So I think Michigan State, Rutgers, both have an opportunity to kind of jump up and be, and be better than expected, specifically Rutgers, just because they've been in the doormat of the East for so long. Yeah, it's really a fascinating division. Of course, you look, you start at the top, and I think you know Ohio State is by far and away the most talented team. But they certainly have some questions that will need to be answered. But compared to the rest of the division, I think they're in a much better spot. Um, talented team. You reload. One of the probably the best wide receiver core um, in the nation, and Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and a whole host of other guys behind them. 
But then after that, the conversation does get interesting because there's a lot of these teams, you know, like the Penn States, the Indianas, that are big names and big programs, but also some question marks where it really could be a mix of, of any of those. I, I think it's probably there, that second tier of Penn State and Indiana. Um, Indiana may be a little bit more question mark. They've got a little bit tougher of a schedule, and I think last year they were maybe a team that, that got some some good bounces their way. We'll see if they can get that again. And then after that, it's really a mixed bag of, of a whole different type of teams. Maryland it could be a team that is they're talented. They've got you know a, a decent secondary and uh, the Tagovailoa at quarterback, but they're still a team that could either be you know super high or super low. Michigan, I, I think, is the same way. I'm not super sold on them. You know, they're of course replacing their defensive coordinator. Maybe that will help. But overall, it's similar to Nebraska. We just haven't really seen Michigan produce the way I think preseason expectations set them to. And then after that, yeah, I, I think the Rutgers and Mich- Michigan State finish is going to be fascinating because I I think both of those teams are ready to make a jump up, but there's a lot of competitive teams on their schedule in the East. So really, I think you could move around. I think the the division winners probably sat in stone, but I could see a a variety of teams being all over that two through seven spot. So I think it's going to be a fascinating division overall uh, to see where some of these teams finish out. I think it'll be super competitive and, and Overall, you know, top to bottom, one through seven, this division will be much more competitive than it has been uh, maybe in years past. Um, shifting kind of to the West here, what are your thoughts on that group? I know with Badgers, um, when we did our projected order of finish for our B5Q roundtable, everybody was a clean sweep Wisconsin, which, I mean, that makes sense as a Badger-dedicated um <laughs> Blog, but what do you think uh, about this Big Ten West, and, and how do you see it shaking out? I think it's I think same similar to the East. It's a very interesting division. I do think Wisconsin right now is is the team to beat in there, and and we've had this. I think in our last two seasons, we've done a Big Ten prediction, and I I want to say we've predicted Ohio State and Wisconsin in every year that we've done this kind of episode because right now it's I still think despite Northwestern winning, you know, two of the last three, that Wisconsin is the team um, that this division kind of runs through. But beyond beyond them, I, I think they'll be the favorite to win it, and I do expect them to win it. But which teams will maybe contend with that is, is still up in the air. I think personally on paper, Minnesota looks like a team that could be better. They've got a lot back. Their offensive line is better. They've got Mo Ibrahim and a veteran quarterback in Tanner Morgan. So, that's a good place to start. I just don't know defensively what this that team has. Last year they were just gashed by by opposing runs, you know, run offenses, and just the ball was ran right down their throat. If that doesn't improve, um, with some of the additions that they've got back, or some of the additions with the transfer portal and some guys um, returning, it's going to be a little bit longer of a year for them. Iowa is another one. Yeah, I look through their schedule. It looks like. Eight and four to me every time I, I go through it, but that could be enough, you know, depending on how the non-conference goes, to, to keep you in contention um, for that West Division. Still some questions there. They lose a lot defensively overall, and then after that, so I think there at the top is it's a three-team race. Maybe a team like Illinois is is maybe into that second tier, and with the way they've played, Nebraska maybe a little bit lower. Um, Northwestern and Purdue. I'm really not sure about Purdue. I don't know what they've what they'll be. I, I don't expect Northwestern to be. I just think they lose so much. I know maybe I'll maybe we'll come back and and I'll eat crow because Pat Fitzgerald always seems to pull off this miracle. But I just don't buy into what Northwestern's gonna gonna be this year. Just with all they they literally have to replace 
every productive piece from their team uh, a year ago. So it's just hard for me to envision, um, you know, with Hunter Johnson stepping back in um, as a starting quarterback there, that that it's just going to, you know, click and they're going to be the same team they were last year. So I think overall they'll be down and, and maybe, you know, Northwestern or Purdue maybe at the bottom while Illinois makes a jump up and in Nebraska, we've talked about a little bit. Who knows what they're going to be, but so far it does not look pretty. Yeah, no, um, I, th- I I agree with you. I think Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota are the top three that you really look at and say, yep, those are the three teams that I would say are con- contending for that West title. Um, I would give the slight edge to the Badgers right now, but um, you look at Iowa and Minnesota, I think that they're going to be solid this year. I don't expect them to be world beaters, anything like that. Um, Minnesota, I think that their offense is going to be really good. Um, you look at it. They had some young wide receivers last year that are, that took some nice steps. They're, they've got a talented group there, one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, and like you mentioned, their offensive line. But, yeah, the defense, we'll see what, what they can muster there. I don't like the fact that the Badgers have to go to the Twin Cities uh, late in, to finish out the year, but I still would give the edge to Wisconsin. I, I remember two years ago uh, very fondly. So you look at this, I, I think Iowa, Spencer Petrus, We'll see what he how he develops, but but Iowa's defense will be once again solid. Did you see that Iowa's offensive line does is is all under 300 pounds, which is just absurd really? to me. I did yeah. not. I did not. Two for two Wisconsin-born kids uh, on that left side of the offensive line, but their their line is under 300 pounds. They've they've got a stud in the middle in Linderbaum, but but it was just that's something that you don't normally see from Iowa. Um, is is a, a, a you know a lighter offensive line, but then we saw what Nebraska can do. They're boomer bust, um, just depending upon the, the inconsistencies that they have and the boneheaded plays that they make. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Northwestern's going to take a, a step back, and I believe, especially now that you look at some injuries hit them in camp, in addition to the fact that they lost so many other pieces. Um, but but yeah, I I also think Purdue is. Who knows what um, Jeff Brom's got cooking there just based off of the trajectory of that program. They seem to have peaked after that first year with Brom where they just tried to gadget play teams to death, and and now they've got talent outside at wide receiver. But beyond that, that defense is just really bad. Yeah, it's the, it almost looks like the cupboard is bare right now, but we'll see. They could be a team that it's just every year you come in going, you, know, you think you know something about some team, and Purdue is probably the team that is, um, you know, kind of always that big mystery uh, in the over in the Big Ten overall. So, um, all right, so we went through both divisions. Why don't we go ahead and we'll open this up to either division? Who do you have as maybe a surprise team? Someone that you think will be a little bit better than maybe what the the preseason and numbers kind of project? Well, I'm glad we did this roundtable um, earlier in the week because I went with Illinois. Um, I, I did the write-up on them, um, did some digging. I, I really just like what Bielma did in terms of hiring a staff around him. Um, I, I hope um, – well, I, I guess I don't hope. But um, one of his big things was he didn't necessarily let some of his assistants do what they can do. Um, on offense and defense at times, and he tried to micromanage everything. I think maybe that's changed. Who knows? Um, but uh, I don't think Illinois is going to be an explosive team on offense, especially with Art Sitkowski at quarterback. I don't see it. But they have a solid running game, decent defense with a lot of bodies back. So I think they're they're poised to be better than expected. And I think when you when you go into a year where 
their uh, their over under wins were like two or three. I think it's pretty easy to be better than expected, but at the same time, I do think that he's going to have them formidable. I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to be contending for Big Ten championship, but I do think that they're going to be a better overall program that's more stable and has an identity, which is something that they've lacked for a while. Um, so I, I would go with um, Illinois as as kind of a surprise team and. and I'm, I'm going to say I, I picked that before yesterday happened. You did. You did. I wrote. I read uh, our prediction post on B5Q, and it was out there. So yeah, there's no doubt about it that Matt was on that from the jump. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think they're a team that I think the ident- identity part that you mentioned is, is so important for them. The last few years, Lovey Smith has just struggled to find that, and Brett Bielema came in and immediately switched that around. That's, that's one thing you know about Brett Bielema. He knows the style of football that he's going to want to play. And, you know, in that opener, it looked pretty well. I thought their game plan was, was really solid against Illinois. They had a couple drives that they we, – we've seen it with him in, at Wisconsin years ago. I mean, they would take the seven, eight minutes off the clock, put a score on, and really put the pressure on the opposing offense and then hope that they uh, make a mistake. So I agree. I think with the other experience and, and that should make them be a much better team than, you know, some of the places predicted near the basement of the, the Big Ten West. For me, I, I think – Outside of Illinois, a team like Maryland, I think, could be a surprise team. They're either going to be, I think, really good or it's really going to fall apart. I mean, year three of Mike Loxley, you know, generally in year three is when college football coaches either make that big jump or things start to crumble and you start to, to maybe see guys on the hot seat. Um, I think they the, the only struggle there is the schedule for, for a team like Maryland. They get both Iowa and uh, a road trip to Minnesota as part of their West crossover, as well as a really tough East division. So I think they could be a team that's boomer bust with, with Tagovailoa. If he takes a step up and Mike Loxley gets this team to play um, a little bit better in the front seven and, uh, to match what they had in the secondary. Cause I think their secondary was sneaky good. It's just a matter of similar to Nebraska team, you know, cutting down on mistakes, you know, in the big 10, you can beat yourself in a lot of different ways. If you just make mistakes, because, there's sometimes where you're going against a good, strong, you know, a good, strong defense or a good, strong um, opposing run attack where all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're losing possessions and you're losing chances to score if you don't take care of the football. And a team like Maryland has been a team that hasn't in the year, in years past, but I think they could be a team that, that maybe jumps up and surprises some people, knocks off some of those, uh, you know, higher tier teams like Indiana, Penn State. Uh, I'm interested to see what they'll bring with West Virginia in that season opener. Yeah, I think that season opener is going to tell a lot about that team. All right, why don't we go ahead now and hop over to a disappointing team, because I think that's um, an interesting conversation as well. I think we've already seen a little bit of a disappointing team in Nebraska, um, or maybe they're just as bad as uh, as they've been in years past. But um, overall, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think 1 through 14, this conference is pretty deep and, and solid. Uh, but I think there might be some teams due for – a down year. So who do you have as your your team circled this for a disappointment year? Um, I would say uh, Northwestern just because of everything that they've lost. I just I just don't see the explosiveness on offense, and we saw what that team looks like in 2018 when they just don't have that explosiveness. Um, but but the other team would be Michigan for me. I, I just I'm not sold on their offense whatsoever. You look at their schedule as well, and they've got a tough game against Washington in non-conference. That's at least in Ann Arbor, but but then you have to go to at Wisconsin, at Michigan State, 
at Penn State at Maryland, which could be a fight for them based off of what you were saying about Maryland. And then they have Ohio State to, to close out the year. That's that's a tough schedule for them with a with an inexperienced quarterback, with a lot of shifts on on defense, and with some some huge question marks um, in the trenches for that team. So I think that Michigan is going to be a team just based off of what we've seen from them, based off of expectations generally for what Michigan is supposed to be, quote unquote. I just don't think that they're going to be a team that's going to be contending or even having a shot against Ohio State, and that's usually their measuring stick. I think they're going to have a hard enough time with teams like Wisconsin, Northwestern, Michigan State, Indiana, um, let alone um, the Buckeyes. Yeah, I think they're a team that is is certainly in a weird spot right now where they're replacing a lot, moving things around. I don't really – not really super sold on it either. It's kind of that middle tier, maybe a Big Ten East team for me. Um, you know, the, the disappointment team, I think we've already kind of harped on it. I do see it being Northwestern. I mean, just so much to replace. It's, you know, they were a good team last year. They had a lot of, of talented players, uh, and all of that is gone. Top four receivers, and now all of a sudden, you know, they, they had their top three, or one of their top rushers back in Cam Porter. He's now out for the season, so you have um, your top four from last year in terms of uh, running the ball production gone. You of course have um, a new quarterback taken back over at Hunter Johnson, and I don't, I don't know if some if people remember the Hunter Johnson that we saw early in in 2019, but it was not pretty. I mean, I went back and looked, 130th in in passing explosiveness, 130th in net yards, 46% completion percentage. I mean. If you're not completing 50% of your passes in college football, you're you're woefully bad. And, and a, almost a 10% sack rate, one to four touchdown to interception ratio. It was not pretty for Hunter Jansen, a, a former four-star recruit at Clemson. So for him to win that job over a guy like Ryan Holinsky from South Carolina either means Hunter Johnson got a lot better or Ryan Holinsky isn't very good and Northwestern is, is just trying to find something. So. I think they'll be a, a, a disappointing team, and, and maybe maybe it's not even all that disappointing when you look at the losses that they've had. Maybe one other team I would say real quickly is a, a team like Indiana. Maybe they just have – I just think they've got really high expectations, and maybe they could uh, falter a little bit with, with a tougher schedule. They've got Cincinnati on there. They've got Iowa, uh, of course, in the crossover to open the season, so – Maybe a team that has high expectations but falters a little bit. But I'd say overall, Northwestern is the hammer home disappointing team for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right, we'll go ahead real quick and do some uh, player of the year on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, who do you have as your offensive player of the year? Because there's a, it's a deep conference, a lot of talented players, but uh, I would guess um, the likely player of the year on offense probably for both of us comes from a, a top team out east. Yeah, I, I went with C.J. Stroud, um, redshirt freshman quarterback that they're going to be trotting out there. A lot of times this is a quarterback award. Um, so I picked him. I think the wide receiving core, any of the options on Ohio State are, are fine options as well. Um, the other guy who I think could could win it just based off of volume stats is David Bell at Purdue. Um, I think Purdue is going to not – be good this year, but at the same time, that kid is real good. Um, he's probably going to be a first-round pick at wide receiver out there. In six games last year, he had over he averaged over 100 yards and had eight touchdowns. So he's a guy who's going to get plenty of volume. Um, they throw the ball to him a ton. He had over a thousand yards in in 2019 as well. 
Um, so I think he's going to have some some silly stats, and that will give him a shot at being um, the offensive player of the year. If, if it goes the way it normally does, though, it's going to be a quarterback award, and I would think that Stroud has the inside track. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. It really, I think you could just say which which Ohio State offensive player do you want to pick because I could see it being C.J. Stroud. I could see it being – I ended up when in our prediction post going with wide receiver Garrett Wilson just because I think um, – I, I think he could be a guy, but also Chris Olave could be another one. Like he could easily um, be a guy that whoever leads the team in receptions and really is, has an explosive year could win it. Really, you could make an argument. I mean, they still have Master T get running back. Overall, I, I think actually he's not even the best running back on their roster. And you look at you know five star recruit coming in, Travion Henderson. I think will be the guy that takes the primary bulk of the carries. And if C.J. Stroud, if if he struggles even a little bit. You know Ohio State has no problem just leaning on the run game, and, and he could be a guy that just gets a, a ton of carries. So really for me, it's whichever Ohio State offensive player you want to pick, pull out of a hat, I think it's going to be one of them because that, that offense looks to be um, very explosive, at least based on, you know, we haven't seen a ton of C.J. Stroud, but highly recruited kid, haven't seen any of Travion Henderson, highly recruited kid, and they've got a ton of weapons at that receiving position. So I think overall, offensively, just just pick one of those names out of hat and, and you'll be good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm interested, after we do offense and defense as player of the year, I think we should look at which players from the Badgers have the best shot at yeah, getting those like awards because I think that that's uh, a nice little Badger twist. Um, I don't necessarily see somebody from the offense winning it, but, but at the same time, I do think that that's a – uh, an interesting conversation as well. All right, well, before we do that, why don't we hop over and do Defensive Player of the Year. This one's maybe a little bit harder. I think, again, a lot of names you could pick here. So who did you have as your Defensive Player of the Year uh, for the conference? Um, I went with Brandon Joseph. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's a first-team All-American coming into the year. He, he's a guy that's getting looked at as one of the top safeties in the NFL draft. Um, he is – he is one of their best players. He had a huge year last year, which I think puts him in the driver's seat for it. He's your, your preseason player of the year for, for a reason. So I would say him at this point, knowing even though that I think Northwestern is going to be bad, it's, it's kind of like David Bell where it's like he's going to be the person that every single team circles and talks about and knows about and, and um, is going to be brought up in every telecast to when it comes down to voting, he might get it just because – um, even if his stats aren't necessarily as good as some other guys around the conference, I could also see Zach Harrison, who's just – I like last year I thought he was going to be a breakout guy. He was one of the top three recruits in the entire country a few years back. I think he's a guy who could immediately break out and be that, uh, that Bosa-type edge rusher that they normally have at Ohio State. Yeah, I think that both of those names are, are certainly guys that will be in contention. Um, I, I struggled to try and figure out which guy I wanted to go with. I was, you know, there was a couple different guys. I was considering Taiwan Mullen from Indiana, really solid defensive back, and and then Jack Sanborn. I, I think part of these awards you have to look at who, if you think big, if you think Wisconsin's going to win the Big Ten West, it's likely going to be on um, the backs of a really good defense. And generally, some of these awards go to um, you know defensive teams that you know the player that leads them to possibly a division title. Same thing on offense, the quarterback that is probably the best and leads them to a division title like a C.J. Stroud would be a pick there. So I went in our um, in our write-up for B5Q, I went with Jack Sanborn. But 
I think this one is is maybe a little bit more of a debate where you could have uh, quite a diff- few different names. I mean, this team's got a, or this conference has a lot of talent defensively uh, across the board at a lot of different positions at a lot of different schools. So I went with Sanborn just because I think he could see um, him wrapping up a ton of tackles and, and getting that as part of you know a team award. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different players that could could certainly make you know Haskell Garrett is another guy from Ohio State. You know, maybe Ohio State runs it and. And, and wraps it up with both, but they've, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of defensive talent in this conference. Oh yeah, there's plenty of options at at the uh, defensive player of the year um, award. All right, so to go off your question in terms of player of the year, that which player could possibly win these awards for Wisconsin? Who would you say? Because I think you know, defensively, there's maybe a couple names if they have really big years you could put out there, but also. Offensively, it's. Um, I think that's an interesting conversation to have. So, who would you go with if if a Wisconsin player was able to make that jump and uh, take home one of these positions? Well, based off of um, quite a few of you picking the Badgers to win the conference, I would say it's probably Graham Mertz because if you're going to win the conference, that means mm-hmm. the quarterback a lot of times gets the glory here. Uh, and if he makes a nice jump, it would probably be him or. Or it might be if one of the running backs just absolutely goes crazy and, and becomes the guy um, and puts together a huge season. I don't necessarily see either of those happening, but I, I, I think it's more likely that Mertz would be getting the attention at, on the offense. And then for defense, I would I would say one of the two inside linebackers are probably um, the guys to look at. I think that Sanborn is probably going to rack up um, big numbers with sacks, but but I just think Leo Chanel could have more of those splash plays that kind of, I mean, the way he plays, the reckless abandon he plays is not quite to Chris Borland level where Chris Borland was making just plays all over the field, blocking punts, doing just um, dynamic things. But you look at it, he's got like three inches on Borland, but Borland was 250 pounds. Chanel is 260 pounds. So it's like you're looking at guys who are extremely wide for that position, but also can get downhill, um, are good at getting towards the quarterback. So I think that you saw Borland have a huge um, career with the Badgers. I think Chanel is another guy that is kind of a dark horse for this award um, because I think that just he offers so much in terms of that splash play capability that um, I know that Sanborn can bring, but maybe Chanel will have greater opportunities because Sanborn's better in coverage and drops back, whereas Chanel's blitzing more often. Yeah, I, I could see him just having a, a huge year. And if he does, if he makes some of the plays that he was so close to making last year, could really take a step up and, and be a guy that runs uh, possibly into an award like that. It wouldn't surprise I wouldn't say that it's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts together um, a, a solid year in his contention for that award for sure. Offensively, I think that's the only way that you can look at it. Unless Wisconsin really develops a, a dominant run game and Jalen Berger just you know takes on, you know, let's say he comes out and it is a bell cow and takes 20 to 25 carries a game and, and puts together big numbers, maybe he could be in that conversation. But I don't see that really happening. So it would make sense. The the only other way is a guy like Graham Merch just taking off to another level that we haven't seen. And, and putting Wisconsin on its back and, and taking them to the Big Ten title. I think it's everybody's hoping for, but we'll have to wait and see if that happens. But, yeah, I think all the names that we've kind of mentioned are certainly guys that with really big, huge years could uh, put themselves at least in that conversation going forward. All right. Division winner. And who's, who's going to the Big Ten championship and who you got? All right. I think I'm sticking with the chalk that we've always had. Um, 
Ohio State, Wisconsin meeting once again. I know in the write-up I picked Wisconsin. <laughs> I would probably have to say right now I do think Ohio State will win it, but I think if there's a, this is the year if you want to knock them off, this is going to be the time to do it. New quarterback replacing a ton, you know, every linebacker on the defense replacing a guy like Sean Wade at cornerback. So if Wisconsin's going to get there and if anyone's going to knock Ohio State off, this is the year to do it. Um, because after that, they're going to have a little bit more depth going forward once again. So I hope Wisconsin can get there and knock them off. But in terms of predictions, I can't uh, predict it to happen until I see it because that that place has been a, a horror show for, for Wisconsin in terms of Lucas Oil Stadium. And until they pull the upset, I, I can't really call for it just yet. Oh, man, come on. And then right up you said <laughs> screw it. I know, I did, I did. But, uh, yeah, it's just – I got to see it with my eyes before I can really believe it. I know in the write-up that's what I put, but uh, I, I need some convincing, and, and maybe that'll change as years as the year goes on. But right now, I still think, unfortunately, um, and maybe I'm waffling on that a little bit. <laughs> that's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I picked Ohio State. I think it's going to be the Badgers and Buckeyes in the Big Ten championship, like we've seen so many times. Um, I think Wisconsin will have a shot, like they always do. We've seen Wisconsin go into with halftime leads against Ohio State um, or Penn State for that matter, a few you know even farther back. But I just until I see it, until yep. they can get that proverbial monkey off their back, it's it's hard to say. Yep, they're gonna they're gonna be the team that is gonna go to the playoff. Um, I think they have the talent to do it. I think they have the more importantly, I think they have the schedule to do it. Um, where they only play the Buckeyes once, and you just got a one game to get into the playoff. Uh, but until I see it, I've been burned. And like many Wisconsin fans who are sitting here probably like, yep, been burned too many times um, by, by that. So I'm going to go cautiously optimistic with this Badger team and expect that they're going to have a solid season. Um, but I, But it's hard for me to say, yep, right now, um, you know, August 29th that they're going to go ahead and be in the playoff. Because I think that's what you're really asking at this point mm-hmm. is, um, you know, usually the Big Ten Championships team is probably in the playoff or at least in contention for that. And I just don't know if that's going to be the case come season end right now, especially when you have to go through Ohio State. Yeah, I, I think that that's the fair point. I think that's where a lot of Badger fans are at right now. It's just uh, you've just got to wait and see. You're hoping that they break through to that next level, but it's until we see it with our eyes, it's it's hard to really buy into and believe it. I know that's not what we want to hear, but that's what you know we're we're that's all. Why you play the game happen. though? Yep, that's exactly. why you play the game. Exactly. And I do think that this team is equipped because they brought back those wide receivers. That's something that has been lacking. Is is just. Playmakers out wide, I think having those guys back can really help. They go three deep at wide receiver, which is a changeup from the past few seasons, uh, or really just in a while. I mean, I can't. The last time I think the Badgers really had an elite wide receiving core, I think you're going back to um, when Alvarez was the coach. Uh, I guess you could probably say when they had Abby as well as Tune, but but really, I mean. Alvarez was stacking up some wide receiver groups, and that was a big reason for why they do so well, even though they really ground and pound on teams, was that they had playmakers outside who ended up in the NFL. So I'm I'm fascinated by this team, but it's it's hard, like you said, to just pick them over Ohio State when you've seen Ohio State in the playoffs so frequently these past few seasons. Yeah, I mean, they're just at another level right now, and maybe Wisconsin can get there, but we'll have to just wait and see. 
All right, but real quick, um, of course, we're a Big Ten Wisconsin-focused podcast, but we'll talk through some NCAA predictions real quick. We'll just kind of briefly touch on, you know, we'll, we'll do a rundown quick of, of the other conferences. Um, ACC, it looks like Clemson, North Carolina maybe, um, and then, you know, the rest of the ACC, maybe some better teams in, in, you know, NC State, Boston College, but I don't think really anyone that's going to break through it and be a contender. So anything you have got to add uh, with uh, with the Atlantic Coast Conference? I think NC State will be better. I don't necessarily think they're going to contend with um, for an, an ACC title. I, I think it's, you know, it goes through Clemson here just based off of the athletes that they have. But um, overall, I do think North Carolina and North Carolina State are going to be pesky for some other teams. Yeah, UNC is fascinating. They could be a team that maybe makes the run at it again, similar to Ohio State. Clemson's got to rely, you know, got to replace Trevor Lawrence. You've got to replace Travis Etienne. DJ looks like a player that's really good at, at quarterback, and they've got probably the best defense in the country. But maybe there's a team like North Carolina, Miami, if Eric King comes out and it's just lights the world on fire, could be um, a team that contends with them. And then you've got some other teams that I think will be talented, but. Um, and I think maybe someone in this ACC can knock off Clemson and upset. We've seen it before, but I think overall this conference, uh, like you said, runs exclusively through Clemson. There'll be a team that is in that playoff conversation once again. All right, why don't we head to the SEC then? Um, interesting conference again. You know, similar to Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama are coming off a national title replacing a ton, probably more than the rest of the team. So do you think uh, another team is in that conversation, or does it still run through Tuscaloosa and the SEC? I think if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Georgia. I think they they have a, an established quarterback. They've got depth on that defense that should be really, really good. Um, they've, they have some injuries that they're trying to get through out wide at wide receiver, but they still have some really talented players. I think if if – Somebody's going to beat Alabama this year. It's going to be Georgia, and I could—I mean, Georgia could win it all. I, I think they have the talent to do that. Um, and, and then another team who, once again, boomer bust OSU. We saw them two years ago put together one of the most magical seasons of all time on offense. Last year looked abysmal. Um, Bo Pelini had just a horrible defense. Um, so I think you look at the talent LSU has it to, to also contend, but I think really. Those are the three teams. I, I, I guess you could say Texas A&M as well. I just I don't know what they have at quarterback, and I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I personally think um, this might be the year that another team – I ended up picking Georgia to win the national championship was my bet that I placed. I think they've got a lot of talent there. Of course, part of that is a value play, but I think their, their schedule works out really well, and I think they've got the talent there. We've seen with JT Daniels now – um, the four games he started, they went out and won. I, I think they'll be much better. Some things to, of course, tighten up, but I, I like the the Bulldogs to to win the SEC. And um, you know, like I said, I put them as my national championship pick um, for betting sake. So I, I think I have to go with them here. Um, other than that, yeah, Texas A&M. Who really knows? Jimbo Fisher's kind of one of those guys that's stuck in his way. So who knows if it's going to make much of a difference depending on what they settle on. And, and then a team like Old Miss. Gave Alabama a little bit of a run last year. Probably played them tougher than any other game um, across their schedule. Matt Corral, Lane Kiffin back. And then one thing to note with them, team that has come out and said 100% vaccinated, that could make a difference. You're hopefully not losing some of the depth that you've got um, in the conference. But uh, overall, I would say right now, Alabama-Georgia in the title game, and I'll take the, the Bulldogs to uh, win that. And then I think maybe the conversation shifts to Ken 
the SEC get two teams in, but uh, we'll save that conversation for another day. All right, next up, Big 12. Uh, I think the, the the top team, of course, in Oklahoma, looks to be the, the team that should be there again. They return a, a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. Then after that, it's an interesting conversation. I think a team like TCU is actually going to be um, a lot better than people expect. I have them maybe going to um, the Big 12 title game to take on Oklahoma, but um, really, it's it's an interesting conference after the the top two. There's a lot of teams that are in contention, so anything to add from the uh, the Big 12 conference? You're not you're not buying the Iowa State hype with like three All Americans on their offense. <laughs> I think they're going to be good. I just I I feel like almost the expectations have gotten to a point where it's un un like unbearably high where maybe they just falter and don't quite meet them and then a team like TCU uh, hops up. So I, I think they'll be competitive and talented, but I can't really buy into Iowa State until they beat Iowa. Like if they go out and beat Iowa, I'd be like, okay, maybe this team is for real because they haven't done that in years. So I think right now I'm, I'm more sold on a team like TCU, but I think it'll be a three-team race at the top there. They, uh, to be perfectly honest, they're giving me creepy 2018 Wisconsin football vibes. Yeah. Where you're you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, people are taking you to go to the playoff um, after you you've had put together a couple really nice years. I mean, this is a team who who just last year got got nine wins for like the first time in so long, like in regular season. So people have them predicting them to make the playoff. I think it's a, a little quick um, to do that. I, I do like what they have. They have a really good running back, um, a decent quarterback, some nice tight ends, and, and a solid defense, but at the same time, they've taken down Oklahoma a couple times, but it's going to be tough to do that again. Um, but I do think that they're going to be a team. I do think it's going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. All right, why don't we move on now to the Pac-12. Of course, last year the Pac-12 played uh, very few games across the conference, so hard to take what they had from last year. A lot of teams probably in contention here. Uh, who do you have as, as maybe some predictions and teams that you like in the Pac-12? Um, I, I think it's this is going to be a wide-open group. Mm-hmm. You've got multiple teams that I think could win the, the North or the South. You've got um, Oregon and Washington. You've got USC, Utah. I think those are the four teams to really look at and think through. Um, Arizona State, I, I think they have the quarterback. They have some nice pieces, but – they have those off-season storylines that, that make you kind of, you know, wonder if they're going to be able to, to focus and make everything happen. They also have a decently tough schedule. So if I had to pick, I think the, the Pac-12 championship is going to look something like USC, Oregon, or USC, um, Washington. Um, and I'm not sure who's going to actually come out of that that's to um, potentially make it to a playoff, but I don't, I don't necessarily see a playoff team coming from that group. No, I, I don't necessarily see uh, that either. Um, up north, it's it's an inch, I think it's a two-team race, like you mentioned, in Oregon and Washington. Washington, I, I'd have to – they're an inter- a team I'm interested to see, you know, what they've got early to see before I really buy into them. In the south, I, I think you I, you touched on the Arizona State stuff. I think they're a super talented team, but with those – that black cloud of, of allegations hanging over your head is, is certainly something where – Maybe it, it falters. You look at Nebraska, of course, a team that's got some recruiting things going on, and they look like they were not super focused in their opener. Maybe the same thing happens there. But I'm very high on Utah. I think they're going to be a team. They've got some real good talent in the trenches. So I'd say 
Um, they're my favorite to win the conference right now. But, again, it, it'll be a few teams in the race. It'll be an interesting conference to watch. But I think, once again, they aren't a team that uh, that pushes for the, the playoff, once again, just with maybe them beating up on each other and, and once again, missing out. And all of a sudden you open the door for other uh, other conferences to to make a jump in there for possibly a second spot. So it should be a fun conference to watch, but I, I don't think they break through that barrier that they've been kind of struggling for for the last few years. All right, anything on the group of five conferences you want to touch on real quick before we do uh, a playoff prediction? I just hope that Louisville or uh, Louisiana uh, beats Texas. That's all I really care about <laughs> in the group of five right now. Um, I think it would be fun to see Cincinnati have a really good year um, as well, but but really – I just want to see Texas lose. I think that'd be fun, um, especially early in the season like that. Um, I think Louisiana's got a really solid team, and I think that's going to be a fun matchup early. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what Cincinnati – I do actually think Cincinnati, with the games they've got on the schedule, maybe has a, an outside chance to, to make a run here. That'll be fun to watch. Um, the, the rest of the conferences, there's tons of teams that you can get interested in. Um, Boise State in the, in the Mountain West, Nevada in the Mountain West talented teams, but uh, overall we won't spend a ton of time on there. Um, Sunbelt, be a pretty talented conference with Louisiana, Coastal, App State. Um, that should be a fun one to watch. But uh, why don't we go ahead and round it out here with um, with some playoff prediction. Who do you have as your, uh, your big four for the NCAA college football playoff? I hate making predictions <laughs> like this just because we're so far away and we haven't even played any games. But um, – I would honestly say it's going to be pretty chalky like it normally is. So um, maybe Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, right? Like just the most basic thing that you can think of. The teams who are normally there are going to be there again. Um, I think you could interchange Alabama or Georgia. But I do think that the other three, unless the Badgers are able to – play spoiler and, and take down Ohio State, I, I think that's probably what it's going to look like, um, barring something crazy. Yeah, I'm in, in total agreement with you. Those are the four that I have, Georgia Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma right now. I, I don't super really know. boring. Yeah. It's just I, like you got to hope that. Well, that, that, that is a bold prediction, not having Alabama. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty chalky. And I hope, I hope this is the year similar to what – you know, you had an 07 and some of these other years where it just gets chaotic and all of a sudden you see some outside teams. I think it'd be really good for the sport to get some other teams in there, but that's a conversation that we've been saying for years now and for the past however many years it's been those same, you know, five, six teams, you know, Oklahoma, Georgia, making a push every couple of years, but other other than that, the other three in there. So I hope this is a year where we get some of these, you know, like a Wisconsin, a North Carolina, a Texas A&M, somebody else, but... Um, until I see it, well, similar to the Big Ten title conversation, until I see it, it's hard to really sit here and make predictions August, other in uh, late August, other than you know those chalky four or five. And I'll tell you right now, I, I think the Badgers have a shot. They always do, right? Like as, as long as you can get to that Big Ten championship, you got a shot. And I, I keep thinking, based off of kind of the alliance and all these things going on with with expansion and, and the ways conferences are going. It would be honestly so big for the Big Ten if Wisconsin mm-hmm. made it to the Big Ten championship because right now you're looking at things have been tilted very heavily towards not only the East but more importantly Ohio State. And if you could, you know, shift that slightly um, and balance things out with, with the, the Badgers making the playoff and making a run, making some noise, 
Um, I think that that would just be huge for the brand of the Big Ten to to have another team that's that's vying for that, giving getting media attention, and I think it, obviously it'd be gigantic for the for the Badgers. Um, I, I hope I see it right. Like mm-hmm. I just hope I see it. That's like that's like one of those things you you hope at night and, and are hoping for. But um, I, I'm excited for this season, and I think that. Regardless of what happens at the playoff, I don't want people to think that that's the end-all, be-all for Wisconsin football, that if it's they don't make it to the playoff, it's a letdown or anything like that. Because there's so so many good games and so much fun that happens that, um, you know, if, if they can go to the Rose Bowl, I, I mean, you're, you're almost as excited doing that. If they can go to um, a top-tier bowl and, and be in contention late in the year, I think you're excited about that. I think that this team has got some – so a huge ceiling that they could do a lot of really good things based off of how much they have come back. And because that defense, I think, barring some catastrophic injuries, are going to be really, really good. So I think Badger fans should be really excited about this year. Um, but I wouldn't be saying, yep, this is going to be a team that's going to go to the playoff right now, but instead be cautiously optimistic. That's that's the I think that's the Wisconsin football mantra, cautiously optimistic, and you're hoping for – um, back to, you know, of course, the Big Ten title game and, and pushing for more. Um, but also, be careful. Don't <laughs> don't get too ahead of your skis with this program. We, we've seen um, we've seen this movie before, but uh, at least at least right now at on August Not 29th. Not movie, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could be a lot worse. Um, and at least August 29th, I think you feel good. But it's, uh, you know, we, we've still got at least, you know, 12 games to get through and hopefully at the 13th and then, then we'll see where this team is at, but it starts with, of course, Penn State. So that wraps up our prediction post or prediction episode for you guys. So that means next time you hear from us, we will be on to preview the Wisconsin football opener against Penn State. We'll, uh, of course, have an interview similar to what we do in years past. Should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to preview it. So thanks for sticking with us all off season. We're now into the the football season, which will be uh, a ton of fun. So. Before we get out of here, we've got our Wisconsin Volleyball Weekend Recap with Bremen Kesey. Stick with us through that to round out the show. Hey, y'all. It's Bremen here, a writer and contributor for Bucky's Fifth Quarter and also guest host now, uh, every so often calling in, talking about the Wisconsin Badger Volleyball team. And we're going to give you a recap of this weekend's Texas-sized matchups here at the UW Fieldhouse and look ahead for this week's series against the Dayton Flyers, Kelly Sheffield's former program, funny enough. But we're going to start with three takeaways from this weekend's wins against TCU, which was 3-0, a clean sweep, and Baylor, which was 3-1, um, and at times very, very dominant for the Badgers. The first takeaway was the play of freshman Yulia Orschel from Poland, the Polish playmaker had a special debut against TCU in her first ever game at the Fieldhouse. Double-digit kills with 11, was just all over the floor, played all six rotations, and was barely subbed out of the game. Uh, She really made an instant impact, and it was clear from her energy and the reaction of her teammates to her play that they really loved that spark that Yulia provided. Um, and that followed into the Baylor game. You know, not a big deal going up against the number 10 team in the country. Orschel was really the Badgers' big threat on the outside hitter spot. Uh, 12 kills, a little bit lower hitting percentage, but that's going to make sense against a team tough like Baylor. 
but she played really, really well out the back, still putting a little bit of performances in all over the place. Four digs as well, three blocks, had a really, really good game and first series in Badger Red. She said she was really excited after the TCU game just to be a part of this team, and I think that she, going forward, is going to be quite an addition for Wisconsin, obviously, already. We're seeing that impact, but she, for years to come, will probably be one of the centerpieces of a very special recruiting class for the Badgers, and it was really fun and exciting to see the energy that she played with. Uh, I remember sitting in the press row, some woman behind me, after, I don't know, maybe like 10 points, said, that girl is really special. And I think that that's all you could say. Yulia Orschel, really special, one player to look forward to. I'm going to have to come up with more nicknames about Poland based on her performance or maybe start learning Polish so I could tweet about it. The second takeaway from the weekend's games against TCU and Baylor was the impressive display serving by the Badgers. They had nine aces against TCU and seven aces against Baylor. And while that might seem lower, they, I think, served better against Baylor. There was a lot of pressure. Aggressive serving from the Badgers against Baylor. Gio Chavita, the defensive specialist, had three aces against Baylor and really, really was impressive and really mixed around the different serves that she had. She made Baylor really struggle in the serve-receive, and it meant that Wisconsin could take advantage really early in points after Baylor had to scramble to get the ball over the net, not really get any aggressive shot. It allowed Wisconsin to set their offense, get the best looks, and really punish Baylor. And one player in particular that was punished by uh, the serving was Avery Skinner, who is an All-American for Baylor and really struggled. Um, It seemed like they were targeting her on the defensive side. And the serving of Chavita, as I mentioned, and transfer Jocelyn Boyer, another defensive specialist. She came from Iowa. She played really, really well and served really, really well against the Bears and really made Wisconsin be able to be more aggressive at the point of attack because of the serving. And that was a really good sign, especially early on to see for the Badgers. There were times last year when that would be one thing that they could have picked up. And so the fact that the serving seems to be very good and aggressive early on is a really good sign going forward for this team as they want to try and win a national championship. And the final takeaway from this weekend series uh, was the play of the back row. They did not allow a single ace against TCU or Baylor. They were doing a really good job back there communicating the trio of Lauren Barnes, Gio Chavita, and Jocelyn Boyer really seem to already have really good chemistry together when they're back there. And uh, Orschel played back there a bit as well. Loberg as well playing um, some back row uh, defense for the Badgers. And it was really something impressive to watch. There was a lot of times when Baylor attacks seemed like they might have had it, and then somehow either Barnes, Chavita, or Boyer was there and making clean passes to get the Badgers back into system and able to attack Baylor. Um, And that back row play is, again, something that I think last year was a little bit of a concern. I think Chavita especially looked a lot more confident and a lot more sure of the system and also just probably with her health. I mean, she's, again, recovering from three ACL tears, um, was recovering from three ACL tears last year, able to 
play for a little bit, but got better and better down the stretch, especially played well in the NCAA tournament. And I think she's taking that last couple games and really bringing it into this season. And I think Boyer is another great addition, another transfer from Kelly Sheffield. And he loves to get transfers uh, from other Big Ten teams at those defensive spots. And they just looked really, really impressive back there. That obviously is going to give the attackers a lot of confidence going forward. And it allowed Dana Retke and Danielle Hart to get double-digit kills from the middle blocker spot because they just had really good passes from the back to Hilly. And they were able to just feed those beasts in the middle. And I think that if the back row continues to play like that all season, this is going to be a scary sight for any Big Ten team going against the Badgers. Looking ahead, uh, this week the Badgers play the Dayton Flyers, who were 2-1. and one. They lost only to number 3 Kentucky, which is not too bad, losing to a defending national champion. And they beat Cincinnati in five sets and swept Texas State in a little tournament that they hosted in their own backyard in Dayton. Now, fun fact about Dayton, I mentioned at the top, they're Sheffield's old team, so he used to coach them before he came to Wisconsin. And right now the Flyers are sitting just outside the top 25, have some really good talent um, at the middle blocker spot and one decent outside hitter, um, a freshman setter who's been playing pretty well so far. Um, But I think that, you know, they're going to be a solid test. I do like the fact that they're not just scheduling, you know, uh, smaller programs that would be somewhat easy wins or warm-ups or something like that. They're really trying to have a good mix of competition, and I think that if you're going to look ahead to this week, you're going to want to see what the Badgers had against TCU, be able to rotate a couple more players in. Um, I would hope that we'd get to see Anna Smrek again. She played really well. Um, and have Jade Demps come in for a couple more rotations. She can really hit it on the outside, as we saw a little bit last season. And I think that uh, you just want to see her get more reps, more practice and time in that role. I think the other key to look for, if you're trying to see how the season is going for Wisconsin, is the play of Grace Loberg. She was solid against TCU, um, struggled a bit more against Baylor. I think that some of that was just... Uh, Retke and Hart were playing so well against Baylor. I mean, both of them posting double-digit kills and hitting over 500% um, or 0.5% on uh, offense. That's really good and efficient performance, and Loberg didn't quite have that against the Bears. She played very well against TCU, um, six kills, uh, 400 hitting percentage, um, and really, you know, still has that veteran leadership. I just think that you would want to see a little bit more from her going forward and having her be another really good option at outside hitter, as obviously she is doing well with um, Yulia Orschel. Um, But, yeah, going forward for Wisconsin, this is is, um, two games that are definitely winnable, going to be at the Fieldhouse, so we're going to have good energy. But I think that you're just going to want to see players be able to rotate in and also uh, check on the performance of Grace Loberg because if she's starting to feel herself and play well, then that's going to be really scary for the rest of the Big Ten and country. Um, But yeah, that's the weekend wrap of volleyball. Um, I'm, again, Bremen Kesey. If you want to, you can follow me on Twitter at Kesey for more volleyball updates when the time comes. But yeah, I hope you guys have a good start to the week and on Wisconsin. Thank you.
Thank you.